Really? Did you listen to the words of that song? Could we really pray that prayer? Lord, send us rain. We're thirsting here. But if not, then teach us to thirst after you. Lord, fill up our cup, and, and when it's empty, fill it up again tonight. And that, that's American, isn't it? You know, so we'll know we have something for tomorrow. But even if we never taste that bread, Lord, teach us to hunger after you. Peace. Lord, grant us peace. Oh, that we would have peace. And what we typically mean is absence of turmoil in our lives, of chaos or struggles or problems. But if not... If peace is a world away, then Lord, teach us to just pursue you. Could we really pray that prayer? Are we really that grateful? Are you? I'm not sure a lot of times I can say I am. But I want to be. Do you? Well, this morning we find ourselves back in 1 Thessalonians, coming closer to the end. We'll be looking this morning at chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And, you know, there's really not a lot for me to do with this. It, it pretty much speaks for itself. And with the help of that song to direct our thoughts, uh, I think it probably already gives us enough to ponder on for a good while. And I pray enough to convict our hearts of our Continual sinfulness because there's not a one of us that that would could say that that's our attitude. That's our perspective of this world at every turn. I know, again, that I can't. Let's read beginning in verse 12, get in the context through the end of the chapter. Paul writes, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who call, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Our Father, as we peer for these next few minutes into these few verses, I pray, Lord, that you would give us sight. Not physical sight, but spiritual sight that we might see the, the truth that you desire to convey in this text. And Lord, press it in upon our hearts that it would change us, that it would conform us to the image of our Lord and Savior. Lord, please, as I so often pray, don't let us leave here the same way we came in. But Lord, may we be able to declare as we walk out the doors that we were changed by the living word of God today. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Now, I have to digress for a few moments from kind of where that song put us. Because there, there is a broad scope when we look, a broad perspective on all of life when we think about thankfulness and gratitude. And, and what this passage has to say. But, but we need to, to come back to the earth for just a moment. And, and look at this text in its context. Uh, because I, I, what we usually hear from these verses are, are merely kind of a, a Paul closing his letter with a barrage of commands. Do all these things. Don't do these things. And amen. And that's the way we typically read that. But there, there is a problem that's posed if we do so. Now, and I'm going to raise that and show you why I think it matters. But I don't want to undermine that broad perspective because what's going to happen is we're going to see this text focusing largely on the community of faith. But that is not to disregard the broader perspective, but rather to make it realistic. Because we can say we, we want to be thankful out there. We want to live our lives for God's glory out there. We want to do good and all that. But if we're rotten in here, if we're unthankful in here, if we're fighting and fussing in here, if we sit in the pews and, and sing, how great thou art, with drudgery, then it's not going to happen out there. And so when Paul writes or pens these words, I think he remains consistent with how Paul typically communicates. And so I don't think, and you can look to this further yourself, but I don't think we need to hear just a barrage of commands. And these are commands. They're not suggestions. They are commands. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Those are commands, not options. Here's the problem. Paul just said every one of us up for absolute failure, didn't he? Rejoice always? How many of you rejoice always? How many of you think you should rejoice always? I'm going to make you rethink that. I know what you mean, and I agree with what you're saying, but here's the thing. When Brother Joe Martin arrives back home... After having taken his father off all medical help so that he can die. Are you going to look at Joe and say, the Bible says rejoice? Are you? Are you going to look at Ken and say, brother, if you don't rejoice, you're in sin. Because the Bible commands us to rejoice always. Now, I know how we're thinking. But I want to bring that to realistic a realistic place. Because the Bible elsewhere says there is a time for Rejoicing and a time for what? For mourning, a time for laughing, and a time for crying. So, which is true? Which one? There's a time to grieve and mourn? Or are we supposed to rejoice always? It's, it's tough, but I think you would agree that they don't contradict each other, right? And I would say there are times in our lives where, biblically, we are to absolutely grieve. Right? With people. To, to empathize and feel the depths of their pain and to grieve and, and beg God with tears and, and struggle. Sometimes even anger. You ever been that way before God? You ever lost a loved one close to you? Why, God? 
But I don't think Paul means for us to understand this quite that broad. I think first, he wants us to understand it in a context in which it has some real possibility of being lived up to so that it will then feed our lives outside the community. Because these texts is not, are not disconnected from what we have seen in the last several passages that we've, we've looked at. And the problem with me breaking this up in five passages is, or four actually now, is that we miss the connections. First, Paul spoke to the church about how they pursue leadership in the church, remember? And he said, you know, it's not filling a name on a slot, on a sheet, so we have that list, but rather looking around the body and seeing who's leading, who's who's admonishing, who's who's the kind of person we need to set up to be followed, biblically godly people. And then those people, we then exalt them, we, in a sense, there's a language, but not put them up on pedestal, but we place them in a position that would most benefit the community rather than just a few people. And then he says, on the other side of that, and that's looking one direction towards the leadership, we often think, up, oh, it's not up, it's, it's shoulder to shoulder, understand that. But then we would look the other direction to the rest of the body that, that might not fit that first category. And then he says, you need to minister to them. And the, and the two struggles he raised in the midst of these things was, first of all, he said, he said, be at peace among yourselves in the leadership thing. Why? Because it was going to be a challenge. It's going to challenge our peace. We know it, don't we? We've seen it. And, and when we minister to the body, it's going to challenge patience because we're going to want to probably lash out when they don't think us. When they're not grateful to us. When we do kind things and we try to serve them and they, they don't get it. We're, we're going to be patient. How are we going to do that? Those, those things seem impossible, don't they? I mean, you've heard all the horror stories in churches, right? Maybe you've lived them. And you're probably going to see more because we're, we're messed up people who need Jesus. That's why we're here, right? We're not here because we're better. We're here because we happen to know we need help. That we can't do it on our own, right? So we go to the Word and we go, okay... Paul, inspired by, by God and the Holy Spirit speaking to us, says in this context now, how are we going to do this stuff? And this is the context in which he then gives us these commands. Rejoice always. So when you're dealing with these issues in the community of faith, rejoice always. Now, there's a lot of ways we can understand it, but I'm just going to make it simple. It's easy to find the bad stuff. Isn't it? Well, let's just forget about it for a little bit. Let's don't try to pick everything apart. Now, I think, and, this, and I stress I think, because you could read this differently. So remember, Randy's opinion is not authoritative. The word is. But I think that Paul remains consistent here as he does often. When he writes, Paul often writes in triads, threes. He did it in the first part of this passage. And often when he does that, the first term kind of governs and is defined or, or characterized or further developed by the next two. And, and you can check me out and see if you agree or disagree in other places. But I, I find that to be uh, a, a convincing argument as far as the way Paul writes. So rejoice always, I would argue then, is how? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this as well? Let me tell you. First of all, pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean... That if we're going to accomplish this, that we better never stop praying. Because guess what? I already failed. 
I'm failed again tomorrow and the next day, right? How about you? You think you can live up to that? Now, I'm not trying to bring you down. I want you. I want to bring you up and encourage you, but, but here's the thing. You know, context is everything, isn't it, right? Context is everything. If I say, I always brush my teeth. I should have brought a toothbrush. I always brush my teeth. But if I said that, you would understand without me saying that there's a, there's a context to that, isn't there? Maybe like, I always brush my teeth after I eat. Right? So when Paul says, rejoice always by praying, praying without ceasing, there's a context that lives there. He's not saying that you're sinning when you get caught up in the ball game, and so you're not at that moment, that second, saying, dear Lord, please, you know, and praying. Now, obviously, we can say an attitude of prayer, we're always dependent upon Jesus, but specifically praying. But Paul's saying, here's how we're going to be rejoicing in the midst of the struggles and the circumstances around us. And it's how we're going to change our perspective about what's going on. We're going to pray about those things continually. We're not going to stop praying about them. Say, how am I going to be a, have an attitude of gratitude? Yeah, it sounds good, right? How am I going to rejoice always? I'm going to do so by praying and saying, God... I need help because I'm not happy about this. And, 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 I, and I want to be encouraging and I want to, to this, this deal, whatever is going on, I want to be used for your glory. But I'm not there. Change my heart, oh God. And then keep on praying. Because I got news for you. I can't speak to you, but I can't just wake up with a certain attitude and go click and switch it. Can you? Can you just wake up with one attitude and go, well, you know what, I don't want to be sad today. Okay, I'm happy. We don't always have control over our emotions and those things. So we go to God and we pray and we say, God, I need your help. And then he goes on and he says, and then give thanks. So rejoice always. How? Pray without ceasing. Keep on praying in these areas and then give thanks in all circumstances. So, now here's a distinction. Rejoice always. There's a limit. There's a boundary to that. Biblical boundary. But give thanks in all circumstances. Now that's a different scenario. Right? So I can face a tragedy. And in the midst of that tragedy. I can guarantee you there is reason for me to to lift my hands and say. Lord, thank you. Not that you've taken my loved one away. Or or that my spouse walked out the door. Or that I lost a, a child. Or, or whatever. Not that we're happy about those things. But in the midst of those things. We can say Lord thank you. Why? Let's go back to the basics. He came to live. Live a perfect life. He came to die. So that we could be reconciled. Right? He came, he, he rose in his power and might. That's why I praise him. That's why I sing. Not because I'm having a good day. Not because everything's going my way. But in spite of it. Lord, send us rain. We're, we're scorching here. We're being burned up by the heat. We need rain. Send us a, a cloud thundering loud and pouring out the rain. But, but if not, even if you never send us rain, teach us to have gratitude, to give thanks to you. Lessons, lessons learned in how to thirst after you. 
Now, this will never be true if we don't practice it in here. If we don't practice the very fundamentals of... This is not easy stuff. If we don't practice it in the community of faith, this is why God blesses us with a community. If we don't practice with fellow believers who, uh, you hope for a little bit, give us a little leeway, we'll never live it out there. But the beauty of it all is he says, in all circumstances, give thanks in all circumstances. And then he, he, he finishes this barrage of commands with, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I, it, it's a question I can raise, I can't fully answer because we don't have time, but for this is the will of God. I mean, that's enough. But he says, in Christ Jesus. And there's a lot there, but at the very basis, it tells us as much. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. In Christ, things are different. The reality of being in Christ teaches us so much that we need to practice. I mean, at the very base level that God satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf. And so who are we to be wrathful towards fellow believers? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. What does that remind you? What did Christ do for you? Forgiving one another. How? As Christ also has forgiven. As God has forgiven you in Christ. Not because they deserve it. Right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The folks... I'll finish where I started. This is not a suggestion. And it absolutely is not easy. And my guess would be that there's not a single person in this room who can say, I rejoice always. I pray without ceasing. And I give thanks in all circumstances. Because I know it's God's will in Christ Jesus for me. If there is, then please stand up because I need to sit down. But I don't say that to make anybody feel bad. But I don't say what I just said to give you any kind of excuse because it's just a reminder that we can't. Boy, what a sad way to end the service, right? <laughs> you can't! Well, that's not very uplifting, Pastor. So throw up my hands and quit. No, that's not what I want you to get out of here. The world stops with, we can't, so... We begin there. We can't, so Jesus can. And in Christ, we can radically be transformed. We do not have to be who we are. We can find ourselves in, 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 a, in situations where they are, they are uh, defined by rejoicing. They're characterized by rejoicing. Not that we'll do it without fault. But they'll be characterized with us praying unceasingly about particular things. And, and here's another thing to add to that one point. Don't wait till July to start praying about leadership in this church. Pray all the time about it. Right? I mean, I think Paul would say, part of that's what he means. You know, don't wait till it's time to fill the roster start praying about, well, who should be leading in these areas? Pray now. Pray all year, unceasingly. Maybe not every second of the day, but... Continuously. Folks, I think.
think there's a joy in the midst of this that we miss, sadly, because of our sinfulness. Because we're, we're satisfied. We're satisfied with a, a little bit. We're satisfied with coming and, 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 and feeling good about the church service, about the revival week, about the events coming up. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I hope you do feel good. I don't want you to be a grouch. I want you to see how great thou art with a frown on your face. But sometimes that's, that's, we're, we're satisfied. There's a, there's a paradox here in the fact that as Christians we should be satisfied, but we should never be satisfied. We should be satisfied in Christ rather than this world. But yet in that satisfaction, we are never satisfied with enough of Him. We always want more. We want to thirst after Him. We want to hunger for Him, not for rain or bread or the absence of turmoil, but for Him. And rejoice in Him. And to pray through Him. And to give thanks in the midst of all circumstances because of Him. Do you want that? Do you want to be there? I do and I'm not. So I beg God, don't leave me like I am. Convict my heart of my sin and and, and rid me of it. I can't do it. Change me. Affect me by the word. Don't let it just be something I hear and then walk out the doors and go about my merry way. But let it impact my life in a real way. That's my prayer for you. Now, you know, I look across this room and, and fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, I think I can say today that I know everybody here. I may still struggle with a few names, but I, I know everybody here. And, and my gander is that, or my guess is that everyone here in some sense, professes faith in Christ. Don't know if you, everybody's made that public in, 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 through the waters of baptism or not, whether you're a member or not, but I'm going to guess that if I ask every person here, you'd say, yes, I'm a believer. So, uh, it always stands to reason that if you're not, then today's the day. The Bible says today's the day. Salvation. So, and the, the, that call is always there. But today, maybe this is for you believers. What are you hungering and thirsting after? Because that's going to determine your rejoicing and your praying and your giving thanks. One of my favorite quotes, I've probably used it here already and you'll probably hear it a thousand more times, is that if you don't hunger and thirst after Christ as the bread of life and the living water, then you will use Christ for whatever your soul thirsts after. Think on that. If you're not hungry and thirsting for him, then you're using him to get what you want in this life. He's a step up for you. Do you want that or do you want more? I want more. And I hope that you will want more with me. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, I realize that we... Don't always, or I don't always do justice to it, but I pray, Lord, you would use it today. In my feebleness and my, even with my 
fallibility, I pray that the Spirit would make up where I lack, which is a lot. And that your word would be authoritative in the hearts and lives of your people here. And I do pray that if there is one who's not truly come to know the, the marvelous, amazing grace that's found in Christ, I pray that today you would overwhelm their hearts with yourself. Bring them to repentance and faith in you. For the rest of us, I pray, Lord, wherever we are on that, that journey between here and eternity, I pray that you would overwhelm our hearts. Give us a hunger and a thirst for you. Give us a desire to want to know what, what this passage should really look like. Rejoicing always by praying without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. Because we know it's your will. Because of what Christ has done for us. Make that real for us, Lord. Help us to know how we're to, to live that out in the mundane things of life where it actually matters most. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.